0: Well, good morning, everyone. I was a little weak. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. There we go. Merry, maybe one of the first things, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. That was good. That was good. They, they were weak at the first service, I'll tell you. So it is so good to see you all this morning. I looked out this morning and I just thought how many of you I'm blessed to know this year and blessed to have as part of our church family. Some of you have been here just a few months, some of you a couple weeks, some of you... <laughs> many many decades and uh, thank you it is so good to see you it is so good to see those of you who are here as our guests today we are so uh, thankful for your presence with us I see some people here who I know grew up in this church you live elsewhere we want to say welcome home to you Uh, I hope this will always be your home this will always be a place where you're at home Uh, we're glad you're here as well on this uh, Sunday morning of Christmas Eve, let's turn, in, uh, let's turn not to the nativity story of Luke 2, but let's go back just a little bit. Let's look at something that happened just before, I guess nine months before, in Luke chapter 1, beginning at the 26th verse. I'll be reading this morning from the New Revised Standard Version, which is the version that is in your pure acts uh, as well. As we turn to that, I want to mention one other thing, is uh, next Sunday uh, we will have just one service here on New Year's Eve at 10.30, no Sunday school, and we invite you to come back next Sunday. We'll begin a new sermon series entitled, New Year's Resolutions Worth Making, so I'm really looking forward to that. The Word of God comes to us from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter starting at the 26th verse. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the promises that are in it. We give you thanks for the great promise and the great gift of Jesus Christ to, as, to come, to become flesh, to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. And Lord, today I pray that in that same vein of grace and truth, I may speak forth by the power of your Holy Spirit. For if your Holy Spirit speaks to us, nothing else matters. But if your Holy Spirit does not speak, Lord, nothing else matters. And so speak to us, Lord, we pray, for we, your children, are listening. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength, and through Christ you are our salvation, Amen. Well, some of you may have been here the last time I preached a month ago. Many of you were not, but I said a month ago during my last sermon that I preached on Sunday morning uh, that uh, that I couldn't really get into talking about Christmas and the incarnation. But on Christmas Eve, uh, Pastor Scott would be glad to do that for you. He called my bluff on that. Uh, <laughs> And so I stand before you on this, uh, this Christmas Eve morning, looking out upon you and wanting to talk about Christmas, and there's a part of me that would love to fully explain it all to you, would love to make it all make sense, make it all in a row, you know, ducks in a row, um, but, but I've really been struggling with that. I've really been struggling as I read the text and I keep finding as I read into the text and I keep thinking about this and how it happened and why it happened. Why Christmas? Why Jesus? Why the manger? I can't help but to come to the same question that Mary came to. How can this be? How can this be? Because there's nothing about Christmas that uh, is just like easy common sense. It violates a lot of what we think we think about God. Now, I know when I say that, I, I say that carefully because in this room, I look around, I know there are people in this room that it, in your faith, are or where you are on your journey, you're all in, many of you are in different places. There are some of you that you are committed followers of Jesus. You have been followed, you have been following Jesus for decades. We are so thankful you're here. And there are some of you who are here, and maybe you were dragged here, maybe you were bribed to come here, I don't know, maybe you won't get lunch if you didn't come. Um, and, and you're just sitting here, and you just, you're like, this is all, I just can't really connect with this. You're like, I'm just not sure I believe this happened. I just don't believe this matters. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you're someone, you know, you, 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 you're a, you, have, you believe, but like a lot of us, you've got a lot of doubts. And you wonder, how can this be? Because, you see, no matter where you are on the spectrum, I think one of the primary ideas about God is the idea that God is up here... And we are down here. I think that's just the the, the base of of most of the world's religions, ancient and modern. Uh, If we we look at uh, world religions even today, it's kind of that idea, God is up here, we are down here. We serve and we worship a God who is worthy to be served and worshipped. And I want you to know that that's also true of Christianity. Except... What we see here in this story is that uh, God refuses to be kept up there without us. God made a way at Christmas to come down and to be with us. How can this be? The story we see today is a story that is uh, that comes in a very ordinary way. We see in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, I think if you were reading that for the first time, you are not expected to know where that is. We find later in the gospel that Galilee is a kind of far off province. It's quite a bit further north. of It's north of the religious and cultural capital of Jerusalem. It's quite a bit east of the Roman capital on the sea coast. It's a remote province. In fact, later we find that uh, the followers of Jesus are identified because they have a very unique accent being from Galilee. It was kind of what we might today consider a backwoods accent. They weren't as sophisticated as the people down south. And in addition, even in Galilee, Nazareth was a very tiny, out-of-the-way place. It's not the sort of place that you would expect the mother of God to live. And let's think about this Mary, the mother of Jesus... We see this story, she is there and she is engaged to be married and then all of a sudden an angel, Gabriel, I was impressed. Weren't you impressed how much the kids knew this morning? I said, congratulations, thank you Sunday school teachers and parents, one, well done, well done. Uh, the angel Gabriel comes and says to, uh, says to Mary, greetings favored one, the Lord is with you and Mary thought I'm just an ordinary person how do I get a greeting like that you know throughout history we've tried to figure out why was it Mary was there anything special about Mary did she somehow merit or deserve this call this duty this opportunity you know, throughout church history, we've, we've tried to come up with ways that she somehow deserved it or earned it or merited it, that maybe she was born in a special way. But with all due respect to our brothers and sisters in Christ, when I read this book, I cannot find that. I cannot find any hint that Mary is personally extraordinary. I wonder if a hint comes from that word, favored one. In the Greek, that word, it comes, it's one who receives a divine benefit. And the Greek word, the base word "a favored one is the word we use for grace. Mary is one who has received grace. And one thing about grace is God's grace comes to us unmerited, unearned, undeserved. It comes not because of us, but because of God. And that's Mary, one who is the benefit of grace, that though she maybe didn't earn it, I don't think any of us could earn it. Yet God comes to her. God comes to her. It's amazing. And when God comes, he tells this amazing, unusual story. He says, you, you are going to have a child. And she's like, hold on, that's not really how it goes. I haven't done it, you know? Question? I always find it interesting. People say, you know... Um, that uh, today we're very scientifically literate, and so now we know that virgins can't have babies. I'm like, I think they'd figured that out in their day. I think they understood it. I really do. I think they knew it, she knew it. But what we find here is that it is not normal. There is nothing about this story that is normal, that is supposed to make sense to you. This is supposed to be something extraordinary God comes down to humanity a virgin gives birth to a child and not any child is this child is remember we're talking to an ordinary girl here this child will be great will be called son of the most high he will have the throne of his ancestor David he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end obviously We sit here and we're like, we've heard it before. We know this is true, but think about Mary. Probably from a poor family in a remote region. And she's told, you're going to have a child. And he's going to be the son of God. Does that make any sense to you? And you may be saying here, well, this is kind of reinforcing my doubts. Gosh, uh, I was hoping you'd kind of encourage me here this morning. But I want to give you one thing to think about. I'm really thankful that the birth of Jesus doesn't make sense by human standards. And here's why. You see, you and I. We live in a struggling and fallen world. I don't know if you knew that, but we live in a struggling and fallen world. And if I look around and I think about myself and I think about my own brokenness and my own struggles and my own, uh, uh, you know, my own inwardness and my own self-centeredness and all of those things... There is such a temptation, and when we look at that writ large in the world and the self-centeredness and the selfishness of the world around us, right, we might be tempted to think that what we really need is just a little bit of help, just a little step up. And you know, sometimes we get that. We, we think we, we find some little bit of help, some little step up in our lives, and we think that will fix it, that will, that will help us, that will s- deliver us from our problems. And how many of us have done that, but three months later we're back in the same mess, only this time it's worse? You see, what we needed was not just a little step up, not just a little additional thing. We didn't need one more rule. We didn't need one more leader. We didn't need one step better political governance. Because the problem that the Bible identifies is that you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. You and I are trapped and in bondage to a brokenness we cannot break ourselves and so what we see here is God takes the initiative to totally break into our world in a way we didn't expect, in a way we didn't predict. He didn't give us a step up to him. He came all the way down to us. In the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our pain and our suffering, God came down to us in a way that we, could, we were able to receive as a little baby. All of us at one time were little babies. All of us totally helpless and innocent. And that's what Jesus was. That's how God came down to us. How can it be? That somehow God rebuilds the bridge between us and him. The, that, that, that's the whole story of the Bible. If you look at this book, you'll see two chapters God creates. The third chapter, humanity falls into sin. And from the fourth chapter on to the end of this book, 1,600 plus pages in my edition, it is the story about how God goes to any length to bring us back. Even beyond what we could expect and so why does God do it why does God do this I think the whole Bible again tells us a story that what we see here is from the beginning God is love that God's love is so great that he shares it with us that he he overflows in creation in love I think it's so interesting that in the beginning, the Bible tells us God's Spirit is hovering over the darkness. And here we find that the angel says, God's Spirit will come upon you and the Most High will overshadow or hover over you. God creates out of love and God recreates and new creates out of love. It is out of God's love for us that God looks down and sees us in our helplessness and in our bondage and God comes and he comes, brings himself to us. Not a step up for us, but a big leap down for God. The barrier between God up here and us down here is broken because God reaches to pull us up. That, my friends, is Christmas. God reaches down to us. I love the poem of Christina Rossetti. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely. Love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Star and angel gave the sign. So when you look at that manger, and we will eventually complete it with a baby Jesus. Yeah, we will. Good. Good news. And we'll eventually complete it with a baby Jesus and right there what you will see is that baby is the sign of love, the sign of God's grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But when we needed it, God came down. And so folks, how will we respond? What will this Christmas mean to you? When we look here at the story, we, we we see Mary once again. And this is the moment where you and I say, how can this be? The angel tells this to Mary, and Mary says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Let's put that verse up on the screen, verse 38, if we can. Just look at that when we think about what God is doing and has done, how will you respond? Will you believe? I think Mary gives us a hint. I said a moment ago, Mary was ordinary. One thing I didn't say about Mary is she was young. I told her I'd I'd mention her in the sermon, but our acolyte today, Cassidy Moss, who did a fantastic job today as acolyte. Those plates, by the way, weigh about 30 pounds in case you're curious altogether. She did a great job with them, thank you. Um, But she she played Mary in our children's Christmas play, and I remember afterwards I telling her that she did a great job and saying, you know, and she's right about the right age. Mary was probably 12 or 13. Can you believe it? How can it be? But I wonder if it gives us some insight into when Jesus says you must have faith like a child. That she hears this. She rejoices. This is the hope I've been waiting for. You know, Zechariah, if you go back, here's another story about him. He's a religious professional. And so clearly when the angel speaks to him, he totally doubts it. Just throwing that out there. But this child, this humble one, says, let it be according to your word. And so my question is, how will we respond this Christmas? Will this Christmas make a difference to you? Will this be the year that we say yes to Jesus? That in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our suffering, it, that we will not try to say, let's go it on our own, let's try one little thing to take a step up, but we will give ourselves wholly away To Jesus. Say here I am. The reformer Martin Luther said there were three miracles of Christmas. One. God became human. Two. A virgin conceived a child. And three. Mary believed. And I think when you and I believe. When you and I accept that in our hearts it's a Christmas miracle that you and I can know that we are loved as is, where is, today. Not when you get better, but now. And so the miracle of Christmas is that can be true for you. And so folks, do you believe Will you believe that even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense by the word, world standards, it's the only hope we have in a broken and fallen and struggling world and for a broken and falling and struggling soul? Will you believe? Will you accept and be saved? Thanks be to God. Let us pray.